Naperville is home to hundreds, if not thousands, of stories. As time goes by, some of those stories are lost to us. One of NCTV 17's missions is to capture, tell, and preserve as many of those stories as possible. Sometimes they're the story of someone whose accomplishments should never be forgotten. Other times they're stories of a time and a place that reflect who we are and where we've come from. And sometimes the stories may seem small, but on closer examination, they tell us almost everything we need to know about family, community, and even country. These stories are available on the NCTV 17 website as they were originally intended as visual media. By putting these documentaries online as a podcast, we've stripped these stories of the visuals that help to tell them, a photograph from the time, or a lower third graphic to let you know who is speaking. And yet the stories still work by simply listening alone. Let the sounds of these documentaries open up before you and learn more about the people and places that helped make Naperville the community it is today. People gather from near and far at the center of Naperville, where music mingles with the conversations of the day, the talk of children's baseball games, local business, and everyday connections made on a blanket in Central Park. The sudden crash of a cymbal and the audience turns their attention to the familiar faces behind the instruments. As a businessman by day turned trumpeter on Thursday nights, the municipal band musician is joined by his dentist, a clarinetist, the clarinetist's accountant, a trombonist, and their neighbor, an engineer and tuba player, who looks out to see his family watching with pride as he and his community are joined by the love of music. For the last 150 years, the Naperville Municipal Band has grown with the community and shared its triumphs and tragedies. Through two world wars, from farming to technology, from 1,000 to more than 150,000 residents, the band has played on. the 20th century, the band was small, unorganized, and without a future. But one young man with roots in Naperville returned to start a career that not only would impact his destiny, but an entire town's. As a graduate of North Central College, he saw an opportunity to create and lead his own band in a town he had called home for so long. He recognized the potential for a band to thrive in a town of German heritage with a love of music and a passion for its leisure time. But 28-year-old Elmer Kerner had barely unpacked his cornet before he faced his first challenge. 
1931, the Depression had tightened its grip on the nation, and average families struggled to keep food on the table. However, Naperville would be spared some of the hardships because of its roots as a farming town and its sense of community. Naperville in the 1930s and during the Depression, it's a place that's small enough so that most people are known and the wider community is known and the base kinds of things that people need, food and shelter, are pretty much taken care of or people are taking care of each other in that way. Bands from surrounding towns began to die off as sponsorship money dried up. Elmer feared that Naperville's band would be next. He proposed the idea of a city-supported band through a tax referendum, but in the middle of the Depression, the town was uncertain. Time ran short for the band as an election neared, but they took comfort in the support they found in the community. One resident would write to the Naperville Clarion in the hope his words would speak to the town. Why have a band? Can we not get just as good music through the radio? Well, I have yet to have the satisfaction of gazing rapturously into the loudspeaker and seeing Cone Wright perform an extremely difficult passage on the cornet, or Frank Babel doing his darndest to extend the slide on the trombone two feet beyond the normal reach of a man's arms. It is one thing to hear music, and quite something else to both see and hear it. To obtain perfect satisfaction from music, the senses of sight and hearing, let's vote yes. As one last effort, Elmer sent out his musicians, who let their instruments do all the talking. The band went around the night before the election, the night before the vote. They took groups of three and four and they went around the town. They stood under streetlights playing marches in any tune they could think of. something that's binding the community together. We need more than just bread and water, right? We need music, we need things that hold us together as a community. Yeah. Elmer's plan worked. His band had played their hearts out and the town responded, voting yes to the first band tax. In the midst of the Depression, the citizens of Naperville saw the significance in the band and the strength of its leader. It helps to build that togetherness that makes a community one that people really feel like they are friends with one another even if they've never met. It's a wonderful tradition that's been established and I would suggest has been kind of a glue to hold the community together. The tax was a new beginning for the city and its band, but as more and more members stretched the band's tiny budget, Elmer needed an innovative way to raise money for new uniforms, while at the same time entertain the town. They decided to raise it on their own, so they produced a movie, color movie, called We're in the Movies. and they build a flimsy story around the thing that they were having a talent scout coming in from the Hollywood to, to take this woman back to be in a movie and everything. Now the movie was shot in November and December. So these people are freezing their tutus off going out there putting these trays on these cars 
because they wanted to show the curbside service and all that kind of stuff. And the whole thing is a hokey thing, but they got everybody in town involved with the movie. So then they sold tickets and they showed the movie three nights in a row at Pfeiffer Hall and the tickets were 35 cents to get in. They sold them out because people wanted to see themselves in the movie. It was a tremendous success. They raised enough money for that movie to buy a new set of uniforms. The movie was one of the last times the community gathered as a whole. One year later, the United States entered World War II, and the men of Naperville were called to play on a larger stage on a grander scale. Elmer struggled to fill the gaps in the band left by the servicemen and called upon both women and students to keep the music going. The weekly concerts helped provide a sense of comfort for families hoping and praying for a quick end to the war and the safe return of their loved ones. After the war, GIs settled in Naperville and began to build their American dream, and the tiny farm town began to grow. Naperville becomes a much larger, more complex place after World War II with Argonne and Fermi, the interstate highway bringing out other industries here in Naperville really changed the tenor of this enormous boom in, in housing in Naperville. Elmer Kerner saw an opportunity to bolster the school's music program, as well as the talent pool for the Naperville Municipal Band. Among them was Ron Keller, a young admirer and student of Elmer's. Mr. Kerner convinced the school district to let him go into the grade schools and start kids in third and fourth grade in band. So he actually was really starting his own feeder program that was going to eventually feed to the high school band and eventually maybe the municipal band. In the years following the war, Naperville saw its population double. Oswald's soda shop was the hub of downtown and gas was less than 30 cents a gallon. But every Thursday night, Central Park filled to capacity to hear patriotic marches and swooning, brassy overtures that sang from the heart of downtown. The band basked in every round of applause, and the time between concerts was often too long. But soon the warmth of the spotlight on the band would be threatened by the cold gleam of a box and the rhythms of a new style of music that would give an identity to a new generation. You ain't nothing but a hound dog, a hound dog. What we're looking at is emergence of something very different that is this mass culture that is going to threaten local institutions, not entirely shutting them down, but certainly those options that are provided by TV, by movies, by all kinds of outlets down to the present are, yeah, offer other alternatives for people beyond what's going on in their, in their local community, for good and for bad. There are fewer people that are seeking live musical experiences because they can pop in whatever recording and music is consistently around them, you know. You walk into a grocery store, and it's around you. you. Get in an elevator, and it's around you. You ain't no friend of mine. To bring the community back to Central Park, the Naperville Municipal Band added sight to sound with specialty acts. 
Naperville's band survived because of some of the people in the band had the, had the foresight to see this happening and readjusted how we were taking the approach to the concerts. They started bringing in talent from all around the county. They put themes on the concerts, brought in some names out of Chicago radio and TV, and it drew people back into the park. When Art Klein was here, he was getting all these specialty acts, dancing girls and twirlers and animal acts, chimpanzee act that they showed in there. I'd forgotten all about that one. One of the most popular specialty acts was Christmas in July. Because the band didn't play a winter concert, this was another way to bring families together during the summer months. The one year they had this idea of freezing snowballs in the winter and then throwing them out there in the summer. Well, I gotta tell you, that didn't work. First we threw out and darn near hurt somebody. It was so hard. They threw it back and they said, quit this. <laughs> it was the kind of thing Elmer did. He would uh, grab onto something that would, uh, would play to the audience and, and that's what he did. But the idea was to have people there and listen to music. The specialty acts brought the band's audience back driving them in in even larger numbers than before. The band's renewed popularity was a testimony to its timelessness and importance to the town. But for Elmer, the effort was taking its toll. At the same time, Ron Keller was studying music at Northern Illinois University. His passion was serving him well, and Ron was soon given the chance to not just play in the NIU marching band, but lead it. The first day of marching band, we're out on the field and he says, we're going to have tryouts for drum major. And uh, so, first guy got up there and did his thing and the other gal got up there and did her thing and he says, anybody else want to try? And the guy's in the drum section he says, why don't you do it? Why don't you do it? I said, okay, I said, I'll try it. So I walked out in front and he threw me the whistle and the baton and I started barking orders like a drill sergeant. And these guys all snapped up and snapped to and we did a couple things and did a counter march and a right march and a left face and extension and a knees and I stopped and I threw the baton back at the director and he threw it right back at him and he says, you got the job. For the young 21-year-old, it was the first time he could see himself directing a band. A goal that had once seemed so out of sight now became increasingly clear. I was in control was the neat thing. <laughs> Because all the other times, you're really not. You're just part of the whole band. You're, you're part of a section or something, but all of a sudden, you're the guy up in front with a stick. His brief time as a leader at NIU would remain with Ron, but every summer brought him back to Central Park. While Elmer conducted the Christmas in July concert in 1962, the summer heat, a heavy wool uniform, and advancing age conspired against him. Before the entire audience, he suffered a heart attack. When the director sits down, it, it's scary. Not as scary as it would have been if I realized what was happening. One man stepped forward to direct the rest of the concert. The community had never imagined anyone else but Elmer at the podium. But now, the band turned to Ron Keller to direct them in Elmer's absence. It had been only 34 years since Elmer had first arrived with a vision to build not only a band, but also shape a community's love of music. He would recover to look toward the future. He desired a better home for the band, 
and envisioned not only a stage to perform on, but a library, storage, and rehearsal space. Elmer took the band before the city council to persuade them of his grand vision. They reveled in the performance, and they agreed the old wooden shell was not befitting to their prized musicians. But they would only go so far as commission a newer shell and performance stage. Though it wasn't the all-inclusive facility desired by Elmer Kerner, it was a place to call their own. For the next two summers, the band awaited the moment they could play their first notes in their new home. But for Elmer, that dream came to an end after he suffered a second heart attack during another performance in 1965. He would die just before Thanksgiving that year, having never set foot in the completed band shell. Elmer had been such a strong force for so long, 30-some years with the band, that there were people who, who really felt that when he died, the band was going to die along with him. After the funeral, Bill sat and I sat in his car and we talked about the band for over two hours, about what my thoughts were about the future of the band, what goals I had. He said, are you interested in being the director? And I said, well, I've always wanted to be the director. I just didn't think I'd have it this quick. I certainly uh, said, well, okay, let's do it that way. Uh, that afternoon, the afternoon of Elmer's funeral. So Ron was hired then. Elmer had grown and shaped not only the Naperville Municipal Band, but also the community and how it embraced music as part of itself. He had seen the band grow in a depression, survive through two wars, and stay relevant in a time of new technology and music. His death was the end of an era for the Naperville Municipal Band. But it also marked the beginning of even bigger things to come. Ronald J. Keller was a hometown boy. His parents were longtime musicians in the Naperville Municipal Band, but their love of music did not end there. Ron would continue the family's heritage with the Naperville Municipal Band, becoming the fifth generation of Keller musicians. His mother, Dorothy, raised Ron in a home filled with music. She had a tremendous appreciation of, of music. I was surrounded with it all the time. When she did her housework, she always had FM radio on. And FM back in those days was all classical music. Well, my dad, he liked the polka bands and barn dance music and marches. So I heard all that kind of stuff and mishmashed around. Ron's mother played the marimba and cornet. His father, the French horn. But young Ron Keller had eyes for a different instrument the sousaphone. I was always fascinated, I guess, with the size of the sousaphone. I used to take my dad's horn and I'd hold it up over my shoulder so the bell would sit up here and I'd say, because I wanted to see what I was going to look like when I played the sousaphone. Well, every day from the time I was two or three years old that I could remember, my aunt would take me for a walk. Every afternoon we'd go to Crackers, we'd get an ice cream cone, and we'd walk around the block. And as we'd walk around the block, there was the sousaphone hanging in the garage. And I'd say to my aunt, that's what I'm going to play. And she said, yeah, sure, right, yep. So they brought a sousaphone 
from the high school over to Ellsworth School and they marched me up and down the grade school gym when Mr. Kerner and my dad were sitting there and kind of, my dad says, too heavy, isn't it? You, too heavy, you can't carry it. Oh yeah, I can carry it, it's not that, I can carry it. I think the horn weighed as much as I did. And uh, finally Mr. Kerner said, well, let's put a mouthpiece in and see if he can blow it. So he put a mouthpiece in and I let loose with a womp that scared pigeons. And, Everybody laughed, <laughs> and then my dad said, well, he can blow it, I guess he's going to play. From an early age, Ron noted the importance in playing marches, for not only their patriotic nature, but in building his skills as a musician. And I used to practice with records, uh, put on a stack of 45s with marches, and set with the music and play along with the records. Well, the record doesn't wait for you. You've got to play to keep up with the record. And that helped develop my technique and pushed me to, to get better. Among Ron's record collection was one artist who not only defined the American march, but influenced Ron more than any other composer. The king of marches, John Philip Sousa. His marches are so special. The structure of the melody and the structure of the harmony and the way things blend together is not ordinary. It's not like a, an ordinary march that you can go down and buy at a music store. There's things about his marches that nobody's ever been able to even try to duplicate. Sousa once said that his marches could make a man with a wooden leg want to get up and march. <laughs> so. You take the stars and stripes, now there's so many things in that which stand out, which are so different from most any other march. And that makes it special and very special to listen to. Albert Schoper, who was the leader of the Marine Band back in the 50s, he said, the march is the voice of the band. You can hear a symphony orchestra play Stars and Stripes Forever, and you say, oh, that's very nice. But he said, you hear a band play Stars and Stripes Forever, it makes you want to get up and march. At least it's such a thrill for me to walk out in front of the band and play the Stars and Stripes and see the expression on everybody's face and how they burst into applause almost before you're done. influence on Ron helped him to recognize the role marches would play in a band. Ron's study of Sousa, his music and style, would have a great influence on the young leader as he strived to define himself in a new era without Elmer. Well, Ron and I actually grew up in the same neighborhood, in the same block, several doors from each other, but he's younger. <laughs> and this little kid is now going to be directing the city band for heaven's sake, you know. The notion of choosing a neighbor and using a neighbor and the idea that you've got a rich base of musicianship in Naperville allows for the possibility of having another neighbor step up to take over the band. To follow in those shoes was a little earth shattering, especially when you're 27. People were afraid the band was going to fold, and it wasn't going to fold with me, by golly. I, so I had determination. Ron was also influenced by his mentor, Elmer Kerner. He believed that if you gave a child the right start, music would be a part of their lives forever. As an educator, Ron embraced that philosophy. In my case, I became a very fundamental teacher, the basics. I don't care if you can play more than eight notes, but if you play them right, that's a, that's a plus. And I always would tell the kids, you don't want to hear somebody play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and play wrong notes. And so I'd always demonstrate, I play it wrong, and they'd go, yeah. I said, yeah, that's what, it's no good when it's wrong. 
And so then I would say, well, why do you practice? And of course, it, the standard answer is to get better. It's no, you practice to eliminate mistakes. Much like Elmer, Ron became a mentor to the next generation. And now his students remember his words of wisdom. He said something to us that I use all the time with the students here at Central. It's just simply, if you can't count it, you can't play it. And I'll never forget him saying that over and over again. And he was a really important part of, of my musical life, you know, um, what would Mr. Keller do? And I remember him telling us once that there was some really difficult piece that he wanted to play on the tuba. And rather than cram, he would learn a couple measures every day. And then after a year or so, he would, you know, he could perform the piece. And I think about that sometimes when I'm practicing. It's amazing how these little facts come back to you, the older you get especially. You know, you really think about, okay, Mr. Keller said that, didn't he? Yeah, that was pretty good, pretty good advice. I was lucky and fortunate enough to have teachers like him in this town. And now I'm that teacher. Teaching students and conducting the band weren't two separate ideas in Ron's mind. In teaching and conducting, Ron worked to promote a culture of music. The young people in town learning musical instruments, learning to sing in choirs and choruses. It's growing people that have the skills to participate in the band program, and it's also growing a knowledgeable audience, right? There are people who have grown up listening to other people play that they know. They have also grown up learning instruments. So I think that's, it's a tradition then that, that builds and will, will basically, it helps to create a base of support for bands in the local community. With each new generation, talented musicians joined the Naperville Municipal Band, adding new abilities while strengthening the bond between the ages. From those that knew Ron as a boy, to those who have always known him as a leader and educator, they are all talented performers with the same passion for music. It crosses generations, not only in the physical experience of being in that ensemble and working together, but also through the music, where you might have that older person say, oh, you know, this, this tune was popular when I was married, and this kid's going, huh? <laughs> you know? Youngest player in a band right now is 17, and she plays trumpet. She's a senior in high school at Naperville North. Uh, very good player, and she's sitting with Bob Huffman, who's 85 years old, playing the same part. And I don't know of any other activity you can put that much of an age difference between the two, and they do the same job. Allison adds a spark, like all the rest of the young people, and she bubbles. I was very curious as to whether or not this would be a solo part for me, but wow, 85 and he can still play. It's nice to have somebody I can depend on to be with me now. Sometimes our part divides into two parts, and I can't play both of them at once. It's really fun to sit next to him, and I cherish every moment, because it's like, I can't believe he is still doing this. I mean, he just keeps, he's like the Energizer Bunny. He keeps going, and it's so cool. As Naperville boomed through the 1980s, its population grew from 42,000 to over 85,000 residents. Talented musicians found a hometown atmosphere 
in an expanding city. And at the heart of it all was the band, who welcomed them in. Well, I think as the band improved, it attracted people not only from Naperville, but from other places. And there must be 15, 20 band directors in the band. And of course, they're all very good players. In fact, we have some that I think could have made their way professionally just playing. When I first got into band, the band was a typical small town band. Most everybody lived in the town, they, they grew up in the town, and as Naperville started to grow and people started to move in, we gained people and, and very good players that came in from all over the country. The musicianship of the band, the caliber of the musicians has, has greatly improved. I think they probably go together. If you got better musicians, you can play better, tougher music and make the music you play sound a lot better. And all of that's occurred. In an adult, well musicianed group like the Municipal Band or a, a really good group, you aren't a director, you're a conductor. You have much more freedom by sign language. You can, you can wave out a section. You can bring in more power out of another section just by showing a fist. described as the band's better half, the audience brings a love of music and a set of its own traditions to the Thursday night concerts. My friend and I are nurses and we change our schedule for the summer so that we are off every Thursday night. Well, my grandma and I have been coming about, we've been determined between three and four years. It's our time together every Thursday night. We go and get pot belly sandwiches and then just enjoy the band and catch up on the latest gossip in the magazines. It's a happening for us on Thursday evening. It's something we kind of look forward to. We all like quality. We all like music. And this is quality music. And this is Naperville. Being a community that loves uh, music and loves uh, the artistry of their citizens and the commitment of the citizens to donate their time uh, for their own enjoyment but also for our enjoyment of their performances, uh, it speaks very highly of, of uh, all of that here in Naperville. It's part of what we like being here. Every year, the largest crowd gathers on the lawn for the band's 4th of July concert. The band's reputation draws them in for a night of celebrating our country's independence. I think the segment of every part of Naperville comes. The youngest children and the oldest people. The music, of course, is very patriotic. I like when they have all of the old veterans stand up and play their, you know, respective, you know, song, My Husband's a Marine. I enjoy that. One of the most special moments of the 4th of July concert started out as a personal request by Mayor Chester Rybicki, an overture by Peter Tchaikovsky. Little did he realize it would become a much-anticipated summer favorite. He came up to me after a concert one night and he said, you know, I've never heard the band play the 18 12 overtures, one of my favorite pieces. And I said, well, Chet, we can play it. It's just that to do it, you've got to have cannons. So the next day, he calls me at my office in Jefferson. He says, I have four 105 howitzers. What time do we want them and where?
with the uh, cannonade uh, going off in the parking lot and coordination with the uh, bells here from uh, St. Peter and Paul. Uh, it's uh, one of the ones we look forward to. They put on a heck of a 4th of July concert. That is phenomenal. It's become a tradition. We, can't, we were locked into it every year that people wins the 1812 Overture. At nearly four acres in the center of downtown Naperville, Central Park became a beacon to audiences young and old who streamed in each and every year to hear the Naperville Municipal Band perform. In the southwest corner of the park, the band shell beckoned to the music lover in everyone. For 33 years, the Elmer Kerner band shell remembered a great leader and carried a new era forward. Though the spirit was strong, the structure of the shell was weak. The old shell was showing its age and, and, and actually, you know, during the 4th of July when the cannons would go off, it would shake and I was always scared something would fall on us. And then one day stuff did fall down just after we'd rehearsed. And we heard this horrendous crash and we looked up and a big chunk of the ceiling had fallen out and dropped on the stage. If that would have happened a half hour earlier, it would have killed five or six flute players. Our people said, well, we got to close it down because it's dangerous, so we have to build a new one. The city condemned the band shell, and to the sounds of machinery and crushing concrete, it was time to bid farewell to an old friend. The shell was like the Crater smokestack, the Catholic Church steeple, and the Millennium Tower. It, it was like a, a of a, a focal point. I could just imagine there were people standing there crying. I didn't even go. <laughs> I thought, I can't watch them do that. I just can't. You know, we'd, we'd been to so many events there and so many Naperville Municipal Band concerts there that I had a certain attachment to that band shell. As the community mourned its loss, the band saw an opportunity to build something larger, grander, and more suitable for a band of its caliber. An idea that had begun with Elmer Kerner 60 years before. The determination of the board and the people at that time said, no, we're moving ahead. We're, we're taking Elmer's dream. We're going to the next step. Well, it only took 60 some years to get it, but we got it eventually. Uh, it just takes time. Patience is a virtue, you know. The foundation of the concert center took shape, and Ron looked to the future. As new member Renee Rosas came into the spotlight, Ron recognized this man's ability as a musician, but more importantly, as a leader. I remember the very first time I conducted the band, it was in the summer, there's always uh, a theme that we call family night. And he said, uh, how'd you like to do Emperita Roca? It's a uh, Spanish march. Um, how'd you like to do that uh, tomorrow at the concert? Well, one of the things I've learned was if somebody offers you the chance to conduct, you don't say no. <laughs> sure, all right. And so with Ron in the room, I got up there and it was just this, this really smooth transition that I think with the band, it was just kind of like, Oh, okay, you know, if Ron said we're going to do this, we just went with the flow. Well, he looked so at ease and at home on the podium in front of the band. I thought, I think I've found my assistant director. 
He's a nice contrast to Ron too. He has a different style. He has a different, different. He chooses different music, and so it gives us a change of pace, which is always good for us. He knows what he wants, and he expects to get it. This new partnership helped shape and define the types of music and programming to come. We want to be able to accomplish the same thing as far as standard goes for for the players in the band. I think that's the big thing that that uh, makes it so easy for us to work together. On June 5th, 2003, Elmer's dream finally came true. The Naperville Municipal Band played its first concert in the new Naperville Community Concert Center. It was everything for everyone. It was a performance stage, rehearsal space, storage, and above all, a gathering place where all of Naperville could come and listen to their band. I love it. I mean, it's our home. We hoped that the new concert center would be everything it was going advertised to be, and it ended up, it turned out to be perfect. Every community should have a, a band shell like Maperville. That is just truly remarkable. I don't know of another place in the, in the United States where that, that kind of a situation exists. Two men dedicated their lives to the band. Countless musicians shared their love of music. Friends, family, and audience members alike stood steadfast in their support and admiration. After 1,500 summer concerts and more than 300 parades, the tradition that began 150 years ago marches on. It's one of the ways we understand community is that we hold traditions. A community is a group of people that have traditions. One of those traditions in Naperville is the band. When people talk about the band, they say, our band. They don't say it's a band, they say it's our band. And they say that with pride in their voice. Mr. Keller and, and his group, they're the finest band in the land as far as I'm concerned. And the best part of it is, you're gonna make it a special deal because you'll be here. So thanks for coming tonight. Enjoy the season of the Naperville Municipal Band in Naperville, Illinois! Summer nights in Naperville hold a special magic where families join together. Longtime friends and close neighbors reflect on the day as the sun goes down. It's the anticipation of the joys to come, married in the mind to the smell of fresh cut grass and the sound of laughter. Cares and woes are not forgotten, but remembered as part of a shared history and hazy memories are brought to life through the sound of a song. Heralded by the peal of a trumpet, the roll of the drum, the giant door slowly opens, and the musicians smile past their mouthpieces as the warmth of the audience's applause rises to greet them. Untouched by time, the Naperville Municipal Band reminds us of the joys of yesterday and instills a spirit of community for the future. There's music to be heard this night and under a bright moonlit sky, 
The audience implores the band, play on.